0: You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org.
1: Each of us spends our lives on a journey toward God, yet often our most deeply felt longings, they end up leading us away from instead of moving us to our Creator and the person He made us to be. I just needed to yell out to God. I said, will you help me? And I really screamed it. I was still a son. It was complete acceptance.
0: And I feel like people who don't have God don't have that kind of hope. Through five personal
1: and very promising awakenings, you can find your way back to God.
2: Welcome. Good morning. Welcome to Cypher Christian Church. So glad to be here. So glad that you're here this morning You saw a quick video of our next series that's starting. Today, we're going to, Kevin's going to finish up um, the Heaven series. So, look forward to hearing that and worshiping with you this morning. I'd like to share with you a couple of things that are going on. If you grabbed a bulletin, I'm just going to run through a couple of things in here. Um, In the foyer, you probably saw a table. They're doing an adopt-a-teacher drive. And this is for, as we know it as Winfern, and now it's called the Leonard Bradigan Center. So um, if you're interested in doing that, please stop by, pick up a card. All of the cards this year are $50 value and under. So you'll know kind of what to expect when you go to the table that that's the amount that it's going to be. You can also um, go online, Sherry set up a link through Amazon, which will make it a lot easier as well. So please consider being a part of that. Um, There's an event on Friday, September 20th called Start Here, and it's described in your bulletin, but it's a really great event that Travis is putting together to help you talk to your kids about knowing Jesus and how do you have that conversation, how do you you get started. We have our annual um, golf tournament coming up October 13th, so put that on your calendar, save the date, start thinking about a team, because that's going to be right around the corner. We have a couple of women's Bible studies that are starting up. The Monday night group starts September the 8th and the Tuesday morning group starts September the 10th. Two really great studies. We're also going to be putting together our fall life groups very soon. So be thinking about a way that you can connect. There's gonna be lots of great opportunities to do so.
0: Good morning, church family. Happy Sunday, good to see y'all. Um, a friend of mine recently said that our God is a God of details. And I don't know about y'all, but it just stuck with me. You know, God is a God of details. You know, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? And um, you know, where do I see God in the details? And some of the places that I see God in the details, and we've heard some of these things before, you know, he's in the details of our fingerprints, right? Everybody has different fingerprints. Everybody you know, in the world, they, nobody has two sets alike. Snowflakes, all the snowflakes are unique. Um, in, in Africa, we were on a safari and there were zebras everywhere. And, and our tour guide said, oh, it's the, the common zebra. You know, but all of those common zebras had unique stripes. No two zebra stripes are the, are the same, or no two zebras have the same stripes. Um, another place that, that I see this, and I just have to look around the room and see the details in, in all you guys. I mean, we're all created in his image but all the different sizes and shapes and colors and God is an artist. I mean, it is amazing. Do you ever just people watch and think, wow, you know, that everybody's so different, even twins. I mean, there's no, no two people that are exactly alike. Um, I ran across something recently. Well, and because we're humans, you know, there's emotions involved in that and emotions can mean tears, right? Um, but what I found was I ran across something recently that even in our tears, um, no the tears the makeup of the tears even though it's you know water and some other other things if you look at tears under a microscope tears are actually there are different formations in tears depending on on the person and depending on the emotion there's actually a photographer her name is Roslyn Fisher and she has photographed all kinds of tears from all different kinds of people in all different you know, situations, whether they're joyful situations or sad situations. And here's you know, tears of grief, tears when you're cutting onions. And they are actually like, there's no two sets of tears that are alike. And that is just the detail of God. He is so close to us. He is so involved in in the details. And I just thought that was so beautiful that, I mean, even in our tears, we wipe away tears. Tears are, you know, around like that, right? They are just gone so quickly. Um, There's a scripture in Matthew uh, 10, 29 to 31, the message version that I really like. It talks about details and it says, what's the price of a pet canary? Some loose change, right? God and God cares what happens to it even more than you do. He pays even greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. He knows how many hairs are there. So don't be intimidated by this bully talk. You are worth more than a million canaries. And y'all, at the end of the day, this is offering time at the end of the day. So God, why is he so close to us, right? He cares. You know, he's, he draws near to us. He's not detached. He wants to be, you know, part of, part of our lives. At the end of the day, you know, our, our finances are part of who we are, but at the end of the day, it's just pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters. I mean, they're just details, right? But God's right there with us in those as well. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for, bringing us all together here today. Lord, we love you. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for um, forgiving us, for giving your son to die for us. Lord, please forgive us when we go astray. Lord, we just ask that you would be here in our midst. Lord, we pray that you would multiply our offerings as only you can, Father. It's these things in your sins' name that we pray. Amen.
3: Amen, let's pray. Father, we thank you for This opportunity to come together today and to worship you and to declare with all creation that you alone, God, are worthy of it all. And so, Father, we pray that this day would honor you, that it would glorify you, Father, that we would direct our gaze to the hope of heaven today and we would walk out of here changed. Um, We thank you and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning guys. Good to see you all on this Sunday afternoon, uh, Labor Day, Sunday morning, Labor Day weekend. Glad that you're worshiping with us here this morning. And we're excited to close out our series here today, The Hope of Heaven. Uh, Really excited about what we have to talk about today today. I hope we're able to cover it all. We're gonna try and cover as much as we can and do the best that we can. If you got my e-news this past week, and I'm sure as soon as you saw it come into your mailbox, you opened it, right? And sure you opened it and read it. If you don't get our e-news, it's a great way to stay up to date with Cypher Christian Church and the things that are going on. You can sign up through our app or on our website. But if you got our e-news this week, you read about a guy named James Clement. James Clement believes... This guy believes he's about 51 years old and he believes that he is going to live forever. And he's not just he's not just believing it, he's putting all the chips on the table. He's betting on it. And he has started an organization, a real organization called Better Humans. And this organization is doing research to help people live longer and longer. And James Clement believes that he's going to live forever. And if not forever, at least 300 to maybe 500 years old. Clement is known as a transhumanist. Strange word. But Clement is known as a transhumanist. A transhumanist believed that that coming technology that's around and available to us today and it's on the brink right now is going to change the human condition, thereby allowing us to live hundreds and hundreds of years. They've even started their own uh, sort of church denomination. These life extensionists believe that that they're just going to live forever. It's the craziest thing. So he takes pills, he takes powders, he takes, and he's, he's working with technology, cryogenics, and all of this kind of stuff to live longer and longer. Um, the question is, uh, you know, why would you wanna live longer uh, in this world, right? I mean, if you watch the five o'clock news. But let's, let's think about this. Let's say James Clement does live 500 years at best. 500 years is a drop in the bucket. Remember our analogy that we used in the very beginning of the series? Do you remember this? Eternity. We've got eternity past, as far back as you can imagine, before there was time, before the creation of the world. Eternity past, as far back as it goes, and then you've got eternity future, never ending, as far in to the future, as you can imagine, and even further. And then right here in the, in the middle here, right here, this little orange section, this is the world. This is human civilization right here. It may differ on how long that is, but it's this tiny little section in the middle, okay? And you, so you got that God creates the world, the heavens and the earth here. And you've, you've got him creating Adam and Eve. And then you've got uh, the Exodus. And then you've got uh, the fall of the Roman Empire. You've got uh, the, the Renaissance. You have the, um, the, 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 um, uh, uh, the American Revolution. You've got the Civil War. You've got World War I and World War II. And then right here, right right. Right, can you see it? Right here is you. Right there. Psalm 90 says that the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their lifespan is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Our lives are just a vapor and so if James Clement, if even if he does live 500 years, I mean, it's just a drop in the bucket of eternity past and eternity future. And if you watch the five o'clock news, like I said, why would you wanna, why would you wanna live 500 years? Why would you wanna live forever? And the reason is because James Clement believes that this life is as good as it gets. This is all there is. That there's nothing better. I believe as a follower of Jesus that that is false. That the best things in this life are shadows of the things to come. C.S. Lewis used a term about it, he called this world the shadowlands. He called it this, the Shadowlands because it's, it just falls in comparison. The best moments in your life that you can think of all have this sort of, um, they're all sort of contaminated by sin. They're contaminated by death. They're, they're finite. They're fleeting. They don't last. They're not pure. They're not perfect. And so the best that this world has to offer is a shadow of the things to come and so we've been talking throughout this series about about setting our course toward that destination toward heaven and looking at heaven and 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 shifting our gaze from from now from right here what's directly in front of us and looking toward paradise, because if you 're focused on now if you 're focused on this moment right here in front of you, this little you know one foot by one foot square here you 're going to miss your destination i was with I was with Barry uh, Dupuy a couple of years ago he took us he took me and my kids sailing. It was really a lot of fun for the kids for about the first five minutes <laughs> um, but at one point, we got out of the you know we were in the bay and we kind of got out there and barry is up and down and ice oh, tying knots and he's he's things are swinging over our heads it's chaos it was crazy he's busy and he goes i need you to take the helm i need you to take the wheel while i go do this you know reverse ship sheep, sheep shank knot or whatever it was called <laughs> i go okay oh, uh, what do I do? He goes, there's a little uh, meter down there. This is a sailboat, right? So he, he goes, it tells you which direction the wind is blowing so you can steer into it. I go, oh, okay. Okay, so I'm, I'm, it's like this. I'm going, okay. I'm turning the wheel and, and all of a sudden he goes, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm steering, I'm, I'm steering the, the ship. And I look up and we are not moving at all. <laughs> there's, and we're, we're just going in a slow circle. I mean, we're not moving. We're literally just drifting in a circle. He goes, oh, I should have told you. He goes, pick a point on the horizon. Don't don't just stare at that little meter there. He goes, pick a point on the horizon and steer toward that. I go, oh, okay, I can do that. Suddenly we catch the wind and here we go. Boom. If you keep your eyes right on where you are, you're gonna miss your port. You're gonna miss your target. You're gonna miss your destination and this series is about longing for heaven reminding us to long for heaven and living in light of that longing living our lives sort of in light of what we know about heaven and what is to come because this is sort of the overarching message of this whole series that what you believe about eternity determines how you live today right And so knowing what we know about heaven, knowing about heaven should cause us to look forward to it and to live our lives toward it, change the way we live. And if we're not looking forward to it, some of us have sort of a skewed picture of what heaven is, that's because we don't fully understand it. And so we've set aside this time to sort of look at it and understand it a little bit better because living a godly life is directly related to how tied we are to things in this world. C.S. Lewis said this way. He said, Christians who did the most for the present world were just the ones who thought most of the next. He said, it's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Isn't that true? When you're able to let go of the things of this world, and not worry and not have anxiety and not toil and stress and you're looking to what is to come, we can really make an eternal impact. If we really believe in what is to come, we're gonna be more forgiving of others who have hurt us. We're gonna invest more in things that that matter. We're gonna do more things that have eternal value. What are things that have eternal value do the things that anger you this is a good sort of barometer in life the things that really anger you do those things have eternal value do the things that make you upset have eternal value do the things that you invest in that you invest your time that you invest your your money your resources that you pour out your life for, do those things have eternal value? What will last for eternity? What is gonna last for eternity? It's not gonna be your car, it's not gonna be your house, it's not gonna be your degrees, it's not gonna be your trophies, it's not gonna be your business. What will last for eternity is the service you give to those in need? every dollar of generosity, the prayers and the presence with those who are suffering, those moments that you've given toward evangelism and sharing the gospel of Jesus with others. And so Paul says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. As followers of Jesus, take your eyes off of the things that are earthly and that are going to... to, to be destroyed by moths and rust and fix our eyes. The word fix is kind of a vague term, but it means for us to fasten our attention to heaven. Don't fasten your your attention and your focus. Don't be fixated on what is seen. Be fixated on heaven. And so that's... That's what this series is about. It's not just some sort of, uh, you know, indulgence. It's not just a, a, a practice in futility and, and, and to answer some questions. We really believe that this will change the way we live. And so over the course of the last uh, uh, seven Sundays, we've been talking about the hope of heaven. And today we're going to talk about what we will do in heaven. Have you ever wondered that? What will we do in heaven? Will we be bored in heaven? Will we run out of things to do? No, we're not going to be bored in heaven. We established that in that first week. Boredom does not exist in heaven. We're going to be fully satisfied in heaven. We're not going to be bored. What's funny is that we think of ourselves as the most fun and interesting people there is, right? That, like I'm a, I'm a really interesting and fun person. We think of God as being boring. We think of him as the enemy of fun, don't we? He just wants to squash, you know, th- the fun. But it's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite. God is anything but boring. The real question is how is God not gonna be bored with us? for eternity. And so what will we do in heaven? And today, there's a lot of places we could go with this, right? There's a lot of speculation on what we could do in heaven, what we're going to do in heaven. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try and steer us and focus us just in a couple of places that you may have already thought of, but maybe some, some things that you haven't already thought of. And I'm gonna try and root us in, in scripture, what scripture either directly says about heaven or what it implies about heaven. And, and I'm gonna try not to speculate, but where I do, I'll let you know, but we're gonna discuss what heaven is gonna be like. And I think it's okay to imagine heaven it's 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 safe for us to imagine and to speculate and to think as long as it's rooted in a biblical basis right um, scripture is really interesting because it gives us it, it gives us enough um, foundation to envision heaven but not enough for us to fully grasp it and wrap our arms around it and so i think it's okay to imagine if if it if it weren't okay god wouldn't give us one an imagination. And he he wouldn't describe it in these ways that cause our minds to just wonder. And so today I want to use scripture and I want to stir your imagination. That's my goal today is just to kind of stir your imagination and hopefully it will change the way that we live. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about what we will do in heaven, get excited. You ready? We're going to (laughs) work. We're going to work in heaven. Aren't you excited? How many of you, how many of you love what you do? Okay, small percentage, yeah? It's a small percentage, I understand it. I understand it's hard to get excited about work. But man, when you enjoy what you do, what a gift. When when you're ready to get up in the morning to work, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or where you work in the office place, what a gift it is to be excited to work. It is such a gift. You know, it's interesting. We think of work as we think that heaven is just going to be sort of like a hammock. It's going to be just this one long vacation. But what we forget is that work was not part of the curse. Did you know that? Work was not part of the curse. In Genesis 1 it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So man has dominion. God allows Adam, he gives him the role to name the creatures and every creature he gave a name, that animal was named that name. I sort of wonder if like the fly was the last one that he named. It's really kind of getting tired at this point like what am I gonna name it fly god gave Adam work to do it wasn't a part of the curse it was given as a gift and it wasn't until that Adam and Eve had had sin that God made it toil and hardship but even now under the curse we can find that work can be rewarding yes Danny Robertson and I were talking the other day about, uh, you know, landscaping. Getting your grass really green and fertilizers and sprinkler heads and all kinds of things. And, and we both, like, our eyes lit up. Have you ever, dads out there, have you ever mowed the grass, the edge, you sweep the yard, and you stand back and just sort of admire what you've done. And then it just at that moment starts to rain and sprinkle, you finish just in time. (laughs) (laughs) Just as a man, it just gives you so much pride. It feels good. Work can be rewarding. And while some of you may dread going to the office, the majority, the vast majority of you in here dread going to work, there are still things that you do that you pour your life into. There's still places of passion that maybe it's not in the workplace, but you found areas where you serve and where you volunteer, where you're giving and you're pouring out your life because it's something that is rewarding to you. So imagine imagine being able to do what you've always wanted to do what you've always dreamed of doing without any shadow of sin whatsoever, without dealing with this, the, 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 the difficulties of interpersonal relationships, without the stresses and the anxieties and the worries and the fears, what will it be like to perform a task that gives you so much joy and so much reward to build or to create knowing that it will last forever, that it won't eventually fall apart, that it won't eventually crumble that it will last? What will it be like to be always gaining skill and improving in what you're doing so that the best work of your life is not behind you, but it's ahead of you? Our minds and our bodies will be in these resurrected bodies. Some of you are kind of disappointed that heaven's not gonna be just this this long nap in a hammock, but most of of the reason why we rest and the reason why we're tired is because of our bodies, it's because of our minds, it's because we don't have passion, but in heaven we'll be in these resurrected bodies where we will never lack resource, we will never lack energy, we will never lack opportunity or passion. It's gonna be amazing. Scripture says that God will, will give us rule and dominion in heaven will actually be given and delegated roles and jobs in heaven. We talked about this a few weeks back. I want you to look at a couple of scriptures here, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them, you and I, the saints, a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Let's look at Matthew, Jesus's words, where he talks about the men who invested their talents and and Jesus says to one of the servants, he says, the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over, what? Much. Enter into the joy of your master. Here on earth, you see, God is grooming us for leadership and responsibility in the kingdom. I love the way Randy Alcorn says it in his book on heaven. He says, Christ is not simply preparing a place for us. He is preparing us for that place. Whoa, It's awesome. Work was part of the original plan. Work was something that was given to us as a gift. And just because we're in heaven doesn't mean that that's going to to end. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God, he created us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Come on. Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And those good works are going to continue. And so what will you do in heaven Will you continue the work that you're doing here in heaven? Some of you are thinking, please, God, no. I don't know what you're going to do in heaven. Scripture doesn't say that. What I do know is that God has given you unique gifts, both spiritually and physically. He's given you gifts, and you will be using those in heaven. And so maybe you know what you'd like to do. Maybe you have in mind something that you've always dreamed to do. Maybe that will be your role in heaven. What else are we going to do while we're there? I think scripture is very clear that there will be music in heaven. We see it all throughout scripture. The book of Revelation that we've looked at a couple times already, the book of Revelation is essentially a hymn book for heaven. And so we know that there will be heavenly songs that will be singing in heaven. What we also know is in John's revelation of heaven that the people were singing a song of Moses that had been written by Moses and Miriam during the exodus. And so there's, there's evidence that not only will we be singing these heavenly songs that, that we've never heard and that, that, uh, that are written in the book of Revelation, but we know that we'll be singing some earthly songs. Check that out there's gonna be songs that that people have written here on earth that will be sung in heaven. Maybe some of the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings, maybe this is some of the songs of your youth. Now maybe some of the the lyrics might, the theology might be off, they might need to be tweaked a little bit, I don't know. But some of the earthly songs that we have learned and sung here will be sung in heaven. Now this is really cool. Not only will we be singing earthly songs and some heavenly songs, but Revelation chapter 14, verse two, says, and I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they, they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. A new song, a new one that hadn't been written Until that point, right there. And so we can see here and other places that there's evidence that new things will be created in heaven. If you're a songwriter, if you're a a musician, you may be writing music in heaven. And this not only applies to music, but all things. What, what's, what's your thing? I, we'll be expressing our, our love and our devotion. We'll be expressing the holiness, the goodness, the righteousness of God in all kinds of different ways. Maybe through woodworking. Jesus was a carpenter. Maybe through crafting. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe it's through painting. But we will continue to create while in heaven. It doesn't just stop. We will be continuing to make things to express the goodness of God. All types of creativity and expression, including dancing. (laughs) Unfortunately for me, dancing. Hopefully in my resurrected body, I will learn how to dance. My skill level ended at about the junior high prom where (laughs) I learned how to dance. Like this. I will say that my wife has recently taught me uh, how to body roll. I'm very proud of this. I'm not going to show it to you here today. No, 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 no. I'll save it. I'm going to save it for heaven because it's going to be, I got to perfect it. But it is obvious that God uh, appreciates heaven, He approves of dancing throughout Scripture. David danced before the ark when it was brought to town in Second in Samuel, verse. Chapter six, verse 16, and, and, and the psalmist says that God himself will turn our mourning into dancing. And when the prodigal return, we're gonna be, I'm so excited about this upcoming series that we're gonna begin in two weeks, finding your way back to God. And it's gonna be a five-week series on, on, on just making your way back to the Father's embrace. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, He's calling you back home. It's gonna be awesome. Bring your friends, bring your coworkers, your neighbors. Um, It's gonna be a fantastic series and I really hope that you will spread the word and you'll join us for that. But at the end of that story, the the father runs toward the prodigal. It's not just the prodigal running home. He was was scared, he was reluctant as to how the father was going to, to respond, but the father didn't wait for him to come up the driveway. Man, he takes off, he books it down the driveway and he embraces him and what does he do? He throws a party and in Luke 15, 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. There was the celebration happening in the home. And so I'm not much of a, of a, of a dancer, but I know it, I've gotta be really filled with, with joy. And excitement and celebration to move me to dance. Heaven is gonna be so full of joy and happiness that we're not even gonna be able to contain ourselves. What about stories? How how will we share stories in heaven? God is into stories. This this whole book is the this is the greatest redemptive narrative in the history of of mankind it's ever been told god is into stories each year in fact during the passover god called his people to recount the story of the exodus and to retell it for them to remember being delivered from the hands of pharaoh god loves a good story check this out john chapter 21 he's concluding his book and in verse 25 He says now, there are also many other things that Jesus did and were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Imagine hearing these stories from Jesus' disciples, maybe from Jesus' family of his childhood and growing up are from the disciples hearing the stories of Jesus's miracles and his other teachings that weren't contained here. There's so many stories for us to hear. Now, how are those gonna be shared? Will they be in a written form? It could be. If there's gonna be all kinds of expression and and, and creativity, could it be in the form of a movie? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that we will continue learning about God, we will continue learning about Jesus. Do you remember God responding to Job at the end of, of the book? Job is sort of crying out to God, and he's sort of saying he's 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 sort of accusing God in some ways of of, of his plan for Job. And God says to him, he's, He he says, w- Were you there, Job? Let me let me just you know set the record straight here because I've forgotten. Uh, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? And then he goes into this long you know, run-on of what it was like when he created the heavens of the earth. And in verse 22 of chapter 38, he says, Job, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed? or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth. Can you imagine sitting down with the angels and hearing them recount the story of God creating the universe? Or maybe watching it somehow with our own eyes? We'll be able to do that with a front row seat. A front row seat to to all of these stories in all kinds of different manners there's a lot more that i could i could talk about today and i didn't really know where to start or stop will there be laughing in heaven will we really be happy will we have humor you know does god have a sense of humor i hope so i think he does as image bearers of god we have humor don't we we enjoy laughing together. I think that's a sign of, of what God has instilled in us. Will there be travel? Again, speculation, I don't know. What I do know is that scripture points to streets of gold. Have you ever thought about that? How will we travel? I don't know if we'll walk or who, who knows. But we're not all gonna be contained in this one church building, in this one long worship service we might be able to travel there might be techno i don't know culture will continue to create and shape culture look all these are details what i wanted to do today is simply just stir your imagination and to get you thinking about what heaven will look like because because heaven is home that's why i want you to start Thinking about it. Have you ever been homesick? Really longing to go back home? Let me ask it this way. Have you ever been sick away from home? Like really miserably sick? (laughs) Damon has for sure. Where was the only place you wanted to go, Damon? Home. Just wanna go home. Wherever you are in the world... Whatever you're experiencing, you just want to get back home. It's the place where you feel at peace. It's the place where you feel comfort. It's the place that just feels right. Wherever you are, home is always your reference point. I just want to get home. I remember my grandmother was, was sick. She was in ICU through a series of health issues that she was battling with and she had a trach and then at one point she actually started to battle back and she was, she was getting better and she was able to breathe on her own and so they removed uh, the trach at one point as I recall and she couldn't speak with, with the trach in her, her throat but when we asked her what she wanted what do you want Meemaw? she just mouthed the word I just want to go home. That hospital with all of their attentive nurses and all of the medicine and all of the care and the food, and, you know, the, the, really just navigating through this, this crisis, she didn't care about any of that. She just wanted to go home. And for some of you, home doesn't have a really good connotation. And so I want to acknowledge that. I want to recognize that. Some of you couldn't wait to get out of your home situation. That may be true for you, but what I want you to know is that that what we're talking about, heaven will be all of the good things about our earthly home multiplied by infinity. And so do you think about heaven as home? Do you long for it? Do you desire, as Hebrews says, do you desire for that better country? Love that passage in Hebrews 11. Do you desire that better country that all those people of faith desired? It's what allowed them to sort of let go of the things of this world because they knew that there was something better in store for them. A.W. Tozer says that in nature, everything moves in the direction of its hungers. In the spiritual world, it's not otherwise. We gravitate toward our inward longing, provided, of course, that those longings are strong enough to move us. Do you have a longing inside you for heaven? Do you have a desire for the better country? That's what moves us, that's what changes us. It's important to think about eternity because what we believe about eternity impacts how we live today. It determines how we live today. And you may say, Kevin, this is escapism. This is, you know, this is, uh, it's a waste of time. I got things that are pressing right here. I got bills. I got, I got sickness that I got to attend to. I have worries, man. I'm making it moment by moment. And what you're talking about, I, I don't have time to escape from this world to, to think about this stuff. It reminds me of something that the writer Mark Buchanan says about Heaven, He, he said, when it, comes, when it comes to escapism, there are two kinds. The first kind is the kind that causes a person to run from life, to avoid disappointments, to avoid difficulties, to avoid hardships. They're just trying to get out of those situations to mainly indulge in their own selfish passions to indulge in the things that they want to do, not the things that that are demanded of them by their family or their job or, or of, of God. There's a painter by the name of Paul Gauguin who actually abandoned his wife and his children to escape to Tahiti so that he could capture on canvas, a heavenly paradise. This kind of escapism, avoiding the responsibilities and the burdens and the difficulties of life for selfish indulgence, this kind of escapism is pitiful. And it's not what I'm talking about. But Buchanan says there's a second kind of escapism. And this kind of escape looks like a prisoner in a jail cell a dark damp gray prison cell surrounded by razor wire and hungry guard dogs where there's a life filled with dull routine breaking rocks drudgery every single day and that that prisoner all he wants It's the only thing that carries him through the day. The only thing that helps him make it through all this guy wants in the midst of of that circumstance and that scenario, all he wants is to go home. He just wants to get out and go home. And if being heavenly minded, having this bent toward heaven is a kind of escapism, it's the second kind. And it's this longing for heaven that sustains us no matter how dark it gets, no matter what we're going through in life. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna call our, our communion servers and our prayer partners up to the front and kind of mind their stations here as we begin to close. And I just want to remind you that Jesus provided a way for your escape. From that scenario, with his life, laying down his life on the cross, Jesus provided a way for your escape. And he's given us these simple symbols, these so simple that have lasted throughout the years. And anytime we gather around these two symbols, we're reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. That while we were still sinners, While we were still in rebellion, Jesus outstretched his arms. And because of his sacrifice, the grace that was available to people then is available to us now. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. For all those who choose to surrender their lives to him. And so we're gonna take communion here in just a couple of moments. And I want this to be a celebration. We've talked about this before to celebrate the ransom that Jesus paid, that these prison doors have been blown open and that you have been made free. But there are some of you in here today who are still captive. There are some of you who are still sitting in the the prison cell of sin and shame and defeat And I want you to know that your liberator has come. With Jesus's life, his pure and holy life, he took the sin and the shame with his nail-scarred hands, wrapped it up, and he has drug it to its own prison cell. And you have been set free if only you surrender your life to him. And so we're gonna take communion here this morning. Our prayer partners, our our communion servers are gonna be available up here. And and for those who've surrendered their life to Jesus, we encourage you to celebrate being set free from this prison. But for those of you who haven't, I encourage you today to be set free by Jesus. Our prayer partners would love to pray with you. And our church would love to celebrate that with you here today. Colossians chapter three, verse two says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so Father, we, we come to you here today. And Lord, I just pray that that you would bend our gaze heavenward, that you would give us the strength to pry our hands off of worldly things and that we would occupy our thoughts with whatever is beautiful and whatever is noble and whatever is praiseworthy. We'd occupy our thoughts with eternal things. Yes, there are things that demand our attention now, Lord, but may those not consume us and, and may we not be fixated on those things. I pray that they would have their place in light of eternity here today. And so give us a, a strength of conviction to focus our attention on Jesus. It is one thing to hope in a place. It's another thing to hope in a person. And we set our hope on you, Jesus. And we pray that you would that everything else would fall into place. As my friend prayed earlier here today, Lord, we seek your kingdom and you promise that everything, if we seek your kingdom first, will be taken care of. It will be added to us. We thank you um, for the life that you live, Jesus. We thank you for the life that you provide for us when we surrender our lives to you. and. We pray we'd be reminded of that life here today. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: You guys can have a seat. Kevin ended his sermon talking about the fact that our, our hope isn't here and, yeah. and that we're seeking Jesus. and And as parents, that's one of the things we strive to give to our kids, And so today we want to welcome uh, Joey and Stephanie Newman up as they dedicate their daughter, Maggie Rose, to to the Lord and and commit to striving to show her that same hope. Come on up, guys. If you haven't met them yet, this is Joey Newman and Stephanie Newman. This is Drake Newman. and, And this doll is Maggie Rose. And they want to dedicate Maggie Rose today and, and dedication at Cypher Christian Church is an opportunity for them to proclaim their desire to lead her towards Jesus as she grows and, and to ask you guys to partner with them as they do that. Uh, we, we like to give families a letter and a gift on dedication day. And so we're going to read a copy of that letter and then we'll pray together. So, this is the letter that Maggie will get on her 10th birthday um, to kind of explain what today was about. Dear Maggie, uh, September 1st, 2019 was a big day for your family. Uh, the sun was shining beautifully that morning, the people were enjoying a holiday weekend, and the Astros were in first place and headed to the playoffs. <laughs> but most importantly, on that day, your mom and dad dedicated you to the Lord. Your parents think that you're a very special young lady, Maggie. They know that you're a gift from God, and that's one of the reasons they wanted to dedicate you to him. Let me tell you what happened on that day, because you weren't very old. Your parents brought you to the front of the church, and I told everyone that your parents wanted to dedicate you to Jesus. That meant that they wanted to raise you so that you'd grow up knowing that Jesus loves you very much. They wanted you to grow up knowing that you could have Jesus as your savior and your friend. In a sense, they dedicated themselves to helping you come to know him as you get older. Maggie, being dedicated didn't make you a Christian. Becoming a Christian is something that you have to do for yourself. And I hope that by the time you read this letter, you will have already decided to believe in Jesus as the only one who can forgive you and give you eternal life. If you haven't already made that decision to put your faith in Jesus and become a Christian, I hope that you'll do that very soon. I also want you to know that many people in the CFCC family love you and love your parents. On the morning that you were dedicated, they joined with me to pray for you. And I want you to know that I felt honored to be the person who got to pray for you and for your parents. Together, we prayed that God would help you grow into a girl who really loves Jesus and who loves people. We prayed that you would be courageous and a kind person. And we prayed that you would bring much joy to your family and to the Lord. Happy 10th birthday your church loves you. Sincerely, Travis Wright. And so now let's do that. Let's join together in prayer for the Newman family as they commit to raising Maggie Rose to know Jesus. Father God, thank you for uh, Joey and Stephanie and Drake. Thank you for how much they love you and how much they love Maggie. And we pray that as they strive every day to show your love to her and to model what it means to seek you first, that we as a church could partner with them in that, that we could support them, hold them up in prayer, and, and lead alongside them as Maggie grows. And we pray that because of your efforts, um, she grows into a mighty warrior for you and that your kingdom Uh, expands because of her and the love that we hope she finds in you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. As you guys dismiss, please come forward, say hello to the Newmans, see how adorable Maggie is, have a
3: wonderful day.